Welcome to the Seller Roundtable e-commerce coaching and business strategies with Andy Arnott and Amy Wees. Right. So from that side of things, you know, we talked about profit first. Um, you know, it's so, so, so important. I love helping entrepreneurs put money aside for more inventory so that they're not, you know, inventory poor and they're looking at their numbers. But how, what about reinvesting back into the business? What's your feeling on that? Like, you know, so many of us here, like, just keep reinvesting back into the business. Um, how do we, how do you see that? Yeah. And, and this is where it, you can, it gets a little bit more advanced with how you do accounting, but you just have to have an honest perspective of like what's actually going on. The reason I love like the, you know, profit first is it's telling you to pay yourself first and build, build money. And like, if you don't, you could just like, you have a valuable asset, um, but you have no money. So one of the things that I love talking about the and asset is it goes very, very like hand in glove with profit first because it gives you a place to store capital for emergencies, for opportunities. And then because your money is growing the rest of your life, like that is one thing that happens when you establish an and asset, like for the rest of your life, it's going to work for you. Then you have to make a decision. If you use capital, you're not just going to disrespect the value of a dollar. You're actually going to leverage it. So let's say you're leveraging capital at 5%. A lot of people freak out. They're like, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to borrow to use my own money. You're not borrowing to use your own money. You're, you're, your money's growing. You're borrowing someone else's money. And every decision you make is actually borrowing if you think about it. And so the question is, where's the best way to invest my money? Is it in your business? Or are you lying to yourself? And is your business not that profitable? And you need to pivot to something else. And so how I would determine that is to really be unemotional, take yourself out, treat your, pay yourself, so a lot of business owners don't pay themselves a salary. So pay yourself a salary and then do, it, do an analysis. If you were an independent investor, would you invest in your business? Or this is a good point. Should I pay off my 7% loan? It depends. If your business is not earning a greater rate of return or result than 7%, yes, if you were just looking at the math. But if your business is like my, our business is doubling. So I, of course, will reinvest in my business, but I'm doing it in such a way where my money's getting captured for the long term, and I don't want to be on this constant treadmill. So I'm doing a profit first model, but I'm investing in my business because that's the greatest result. But I'm I'm taking other assets with me. Um, but some people are like, "Hey, I'm actually looking at the numbers and I'm not making any money." And then you just need to be self aware and be like, "Okay, you you just need to be aware of that." I love that. So what about when we're considering a new investment? So if we're considering a new investment, even considering a new business, how yeah. should we evaluate that from a financial perspective? So write, so write down C squared. C squared. Um, there's two C's that are really, really important as it relates to analyzing any investment. C number one is compounding. Albert Einstein is noted for saying that compounding is just the eighth one in the world. He actually never said that, but Google says he says that, so I'm just going to say that. Um, and he, he pretty much laid out there, compound interest is a function of three things, money growing at a percent over time. And so every decision we make has a consequence. So you remember my car example where I paid cash for a car? That decision cost me four hundred dollars to $500,000, that one decision, because of how I paid for something. When I, I taught this principle to one of my good friends, treated them to lunch, lunch the bill was 64 bucks. They're like, Caleb, thank you for treating, but I know that costs you a lot more than $64. And being a nerd, I took out my phone and we calculated the, the future value of what that would have cost me over my lifetime because I'm so young that that meal cost me over four grand. 
So the first principle is anything that you analyze, whether it's real estate, gold, your business, you have to understand that we have to look long-term. And I want to encourage everyone listening to this to have a lifetime mentality, have a lifetime mentality. Every dollar is worth way more than a dollar. It's worth what that dollar could have grown to you the rest of your life. And every dollar that you lose, you don't just lose that dollar, but you lose what that dollar could have earned you the rest of your life. So that function is just, it's easy to calculate time value of money. And I just constantly would have a generational mentality of every decision you make has a consequence on the next generation. Principle number two or C number two is all about control. And we have to be control freaks as it relates to our money. If you look at the banks, Wall Street, and people that are you know, helping us manage money, they, they are truly doing the exact opposite of what they're teaching us. They're saying, hey, give us your money. They're controlling capital. Like that's, that's what banks do. That's why they give us suckers, by the way. <laughs> they're like, hey, thank you for giving me your money. Here's a sucker to remind us that we're a sucker for giving them the money. And, and then it's just like, at the end of the day, they're institutions that are using that money way better than we are. And so I like to focus on the control aspect because I think a lot of people don't think about control. And a question that I ask people to get them to think is, what's the rate of return or what's the value of controlling a golf club? For me, it's nothing. But for Phil Mickelson, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars. Or sorry, hundreds of millions of dollars. <laughs> so it's like, okay, it's his ability to use the golf club. What's the value of, of owning a business? It depends. Do an audit. What's the value of controlling money? What's the value of that? Some people will bankrupt themselves. Like my, what I'm teaching is not for everybody. Some people, if they have control over their money, they will bankrupt themselves. They, they spend it all. But if the wealthy, like I can't just tell you that the wealthy are getting wealthy because of compound interest, because that's a lie. Compound interest is a function. It's math. It's amazing. But wealth is created through the people that can control it. And so, so what I think of when I'm analyzing an investment, I'm thinking long-term and short-term and efficiency will say that I will maximize both. So I would encourage people to say, how can I maximize both? And usually someone will give you a greater rate of return, but you're giving up control. Or maybe right. they'll give you total control like over a savings account with no rate of return. So then- so yeah. I do have a question about that, right? Because there's a lot of people, and there's been so many posts lately in all of the Amazon groups about, you know, I don't know, I, I think that, you know, I, should I, should I invest? And I think, you know, what you've recommended is really good, but I think a lot of people don't know how much control or how much compounding you're going to be able to have with this business. So in that case, if you want to take a little risk, right? If you want to take a little risk and you want to try something out, do you recommend then staying super lean and not going all in with your full, you know, the um, richest man in Babylon principles of hit a little bit of money and protect that, double that little yeah. bit of money and then go into it. So for people considering starting an e-commerce business or a product-based business, and they don't really know how to evaluate those principles yet because they just don't know enough, but they want to give it a try. Do you recommend that they take that just small, you know, Andy and I have a sourcing small masterclass where we teach just, hey, send in a hundred units and learn how to do this so yep. that you can make a more informed decision. What do you think about that? Yeah, I a hundred percent agree with that. I also have a year's worth of reserves or cash equivalents because I very much value having emergency if you have business because you're taking unnecessary, you're taking, I shouldn't say unnecessary, you're taking on more risk than the an average person. And so, so yes, I have money sitting at like low interest rates, 
but that's money sitting at low interest rates are able are allowing me to make high interest rates over here because I'm able to take some risk and protect the downside. So I'm like, that's like my hedge. Another way to hedge that is multiple businesses, which by the way, under the better wealth umbrella, we have multiple businesses, multiple sources of income. And so that's right. an example of exactly what you said is like, I'm doing actually twofold. I'm saving money because as an entrepreneur, I, I, I really believe you need six months at least. I think bonus at, at a year, especially if you're in the kind of business of where you guys can like make a ton of money. I just think like do like have some money set aside or have at least cash equivalents on hand that if it hits the fan, you're not scrambling. Um, and then also figure out different ways to um, streams of income because things can change overnight. And um, that's the, that is probably the biggest risk of the industry that you guys are in is right now it's going amazing. But 10 years from now, it's hard to know what's going to happen. And so that leads me to my next question about clarity. You talk about how clarity is the foundation of financial success. And clarity is something that is important, I think, in, in business. But why don't you talk a little bit about that and why clarity is the foundation of financial success? I uh, love that question, by the way. And when I first started working at the bank, I watched uh, a TED Talk that was, was Start With Why by Simon Sinek. And then I ended up reading his book. And I was blown away by that concept of start with why. And, and Simon pretty much said, like, people don't care what you do until they know why you do it. And I realized that financial planning would, um, it's all about the what. Do this with your money. Do that with your money. Do this with your money. And I'm like, man, these are real human beings. Everyone listening to this, everyone on this Zoom meeting right now are real individuals with hopes, with dreams, with fears. And it's like, we need to be better stewards, especially people in my position that are helping people with their money. Like I am doing you a disservice if I'm just talking at you or giving you different strategies. I, if I could be a mirror and say like, Amy, what do you actually really want? Like, what does that look like? I asked three questions that are very similar. How, how do you define financial success? And you'll give me some BS answer. Okay. Because the, you know, and then I ask if money wasn't an issue at all, what would you be doing? And you go, man, if money wasn't an issue, this is what I would actually do. And then sometimes I ask the same question again. It's if you had $10 million today, what would you be doing? And it allows you to just take a step back and ask the question, what would we be doing? And um, the, uh, the guy that helped me co-found Better Wealth died two years ago with cancer. So I'm an old soul because I saw one of my best friends pass away. And I also like, I'm like ultra aware of us having one life. And I'm realizing that most people are zombies every day, just going through the emotions every day. And I'm realizing we need to wake up and realize that our greatest gift is something that we're not even guaranteed tomorrow. And, and so it's like, what is wealth? Wealth is living intentionally today. And I don't care how much money you have. I don't care what kind of financial strategies you have. If you're not able to live intentionally, I would seek that out because then we're going to end up chasing so much things, so many success, so much significance and, and get there and then realize that it doesn't matter. That's so true. I mean, tomorrow is not promised. My mantra is enjoy the journey yeah. because yeah, we can start a business and it can be our passion. And like I said, I love what I do, but I have to remind myself sometimes like, Hey, enjoy the journey because we might not be here tomorrow. And, you know, I think that is so important 
to get clarity about what is this life for you and what does it really mean? You can't take the money with you when you die, <laughs> like you're yeah. gone. <laughs> so, you know, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to not live every day right. and amazingly. Right? An example, just something that you could do is, and I got this from seven habits of highly effective people, but like write your obituary, like you're dead, or let's say this is your last day on earth. And what do you want to be known for? What would you pass on? What's most important to you? And people at your funeral are not going to care about your successes. They're not going to care that I wrote books and was wildly successful. They're going to care that I was a friend to them. They were going to, they're going to care that I believed in them, that I inspired them, that they're, that's what they're going to remember. And so it's like, I think sometimes we as Americans value the wrong things. And I want to get super like, and, and let's be honest, I also help people with money because life gets good when you have wealth. Like it really does. Yes. Like there's a lot, like there's a lot of time freedoms. There's a lot of things that open up to you if you know how to master money as a tool, but money itself is not just going to change your life. So yeah. big problem for businesses is cash flow. Yes. And Andy, Andy, did you want to yeah, say no, something? I, I was just going to say, um, you know, that that's uh, one of the things that I really got out of, um, you know, the rich dad, poor dad, you know, Robert Kiyosaki is to not look at money. Like we're sort of raised to look at money as being evil, right? Like rich people are evil. Like, you know, all these, all, you know, wealth is evil and uh, look at these. And the reason for that, I think is because when you don't, or when you're not able to get to that wealth, then you have to put up some kind of defense and some kind of excuse on, on why you don't have that happiness, that wealth, that, you know, that thing. And, and, um, uh, uh, one Mike's, uh, Mike McCallitz, we were talking about him, his latest book. Uh, I'm, I'm a little more than halfway through, I think, which is, um, fix this, fix this next. And one of the things I love in there is he really lays out how, you know, there's actually steps and, the last step is um, it's legacy. I believe is the last step. I think it's legacy. And what he's trying to show, which I think is a great point and people don't think about is, you know, once you get to a certain point of wealth, like what can you, what can you then do with that money in terms of charities and investing in, 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 uh, you know, things that, that you're passionate about, you believe in helping, like how many people can you help with that wealth? You know, if you get that wealth and somebody who maybe doesn't, you know, is a little more greedy and maybe doesn't have that same mentality, guess what? You're, that money is in a better place in the, with you being wealthy than that other person. So never, ever feel guilty about being wealthy. Never feel guilty about chasing quote unquote, chasing money or trying to build wealth. Um, I don't like chasing money because it sounds like you're never going to get it right. But like never, uh, you know, feel guilty for, for, for building wealth because you can do so much with that wealth that, you know, somebody else who may have gotten it, if you haven't been, you know, weren't as ambitious might not do those same things. So that's just what I wanted to add. Yeah. yeah and, and it's really wealth amplifies. If you're, if you're a terrible, miserable person, it's going to make you more miserable. And if you're a great, good person, going to make it's going to give you the ability to do more for people and so yeah 100 percent. so i want to touch on before i turn it back over to andy for the final the final grilling i do want to touch on cash flow because this is a big problem for businesses it's huge especially in product-based businesses because we're constantly we're, we're heavy on inventory right we're light on cash so can we talk about your efficiency being the key to cash flow and the power of your opportunity costs. Yes. Yeah. And actually, I love that you reference opportunity costs and efficiency because um, really for the people listening to this or watching this, efficiency is everything. And so um, number one, have a good tech strategy because um, 
if you're self-employed, 50% of your taxes, when you add it all up, it could be, could be gone. And so what I, what I find is we could talk all about hacks, about where you should invest your money, just, just learn to keep more. So um, there, there are really good hacks on that. Understand like, you know, just different ways to, um, you know, write off certain things. There's certain strategies. I want to be careful because I'm not a tax expert, but like we, we have resources at, at Better Wealth. And like, if you just, just do take some time to learn that. Um, step number two is, is start tracking your money. I would recommend every single person to track their money for at least one month. And it, it, it could literally just take an hour. Take what you're coming in and then look where, where it's going. And then go back to what I even said in the beginning. W- look at where it's going, whether you're spending it. See, so just be ultra aware. And then if you're investing it, ask the question, are these investments helping me to get where I want to go? But you're going to find we just spend a lot of money on random stuff. And a lot of these things, we spend money on things that we a lot of times don't even want. Um, so for a lot of people, the, they're not saving any money. And that's where the third thing that I'll offer is understand what I call the cash flow ratio model. Most people cannot answer this simple question. Most financial planners cannot answer this simple question, which is how much money do you need to save today to maintain your current standard of living? Like, I bet you two don't, couldn't answer that question because we're not taught how to answer that question. And it's actually a simple ratio of you take your, ca- your gross cash flow and, and then you say, okay, how much money am I consuming? Majority of America, it's 100% or more. But let's just say it's, it, let's say you're making 100,000, you're consuming 95% due to taxes, debts, lifestyle. That means you're saving 5%. So then we look at your financial model, which we can do for everyone listening to this. You look at your financial model and you see this line because of inflation, your consumption line is continuing to go up because in 30 years, your, your, your buying power just got less. You need a whole lot more money just to maintain what you're currently doing. And then we can model what that 5% of savings with whatever you know, assumptions that you give us, how long your money will last until it drops off. And it's very eye-opening. It's very scary. But the point that, it, that we're making and, the, and really the mission that we're on is people need to wake up and save more money and, and, and we need to view it in a lens of efficiency and read profit first, start paying yourself first. And something funny happens in the rich dad and poor dad, or not rich dad, poor dad, it's richest man in Babylon. One of the principles that he talks about is pay yourself first. It sounds simple, but like you, your money, you'll find out other ways to pay for things, but don't disrespect yourself and know that number. And um, people can check out what we're doing. And we actually have a free assessment that every single person that wants to can check out how much money they need to be saving um, given what, what's currently going on. And it's, a, it's an incredibly powerful tool. So understand taxes, start tracking your money, be ultra aware of where your money's going and, and just know where you're headed and what kind of number you're shooting for. And that's gonna open up opportunities and it's gonna give you a solid foundation. Caleb, I love that. One of the things that we started doing recently, my wife and I is, you know, we were making all this money and we're like, where does it go? You know, we're just like month to month. We're like, I don't understand this. Like, where is all our money going? And what we started doing, and, and we're doing this like once a month now is I'll literally just take out a Google sheets and I'll download my bank statement and we'll literally just write out. And then I, and then I've, you know, and then I have like a, a rating, right? Like essential, um, I can't remember the middle one is like, you know, maybe, and then like get rid of. Right. And so that's what we've been doing a lot. And we've been seeing a huge, um, you know, change in our finances just by doing that once a month, it doesn't take that long. It takes like, you know, half an hour. 
but just by knowing where your money goes, that's the first, you know, step to really kind of get control of it. And we still have a long ways to go. But just by doing that, I feel like, you know, it's made a huge, huge difference for us. I mean, we were, we, we realized that we were spending like, it was like $7,000 a month on childcare and school, right? With private school, it was like crazy. Um, so until you know the, you know, some of these numbers, you don't know that like <laughs> that money could be put, you know, elsewhere. So, I mean, our kids' education is important, but you know, maybe we can make some changes, which is what we did. Um, on that note, um, you know, the, a lot of people, you know, claim that you should be doing a retirement account, things like that. And, you know, what we recently realized is that, you know, I, I had a previous, I used to be an air traffic controller. I had a federal a retirement account. So I had money sitting there and it just sat there really. I mean, honestly, it just sat there and made a little bit of money here and there. Um, but then, you know, I learned about self-directed IRAs and things like that, um, you know, which really puts me back in control of that money. Do you have a retirement account? And if not, I know you talked about um, uh, a life insurance hack. It sounds like I, I hate to say the word hack because that, you know, might have a negative connotation, but I'm super interested yeah. in learning what you're doing there. Um, it, do you have a retirement account? If not, uh, you know, if somebody does, should they do it, uh, move it into a self-directed IRA? I would just love to get your feedback on that. This is a self yeah. you're, you're opening up another can of worms here. Um, <laughs> here's, here's my basic philosophy. Okay. Let me share with you this, this story. Would you get in business with somebody who was making no money, who had $300,000 plus in credit card debt and, and could change their equity state at any time with you? The answer is like, no. And unfortunately, this is how I think about retirement accounts. Let's not, the retirement accounts are a shell and then you're invested in whatever's in the shell. So we'll talk about at, um, SEP IRAs a little bit later because they are, they give you more freedom of what you invest in, but you're still getting a sponsorship of that shell. Now there's two types of investment accounts. The more common one, when you think of 401ks, is just a tax deferral. And here's the pitch. Don't pay any taxes, put it in, and, and then your money will grow tax deferred. And then whenever you take that money out, you'll pay taxes. Well, well do you think taxes are going up or down? <laughs> like, just look at where a country's going, look at how much money we're printing, and just look at history and look at what other countries are doing. I don't see taxes going down. In fact, I see them going up and up and up. I talk about in my book how taxes could be the greatest threat to our wealth. So the, because of that philosophy, I'm not even taking, I don't, even, I don't think for most people, the stock market is necessarily the best way to grow wealth. And maybe, for, maybe for the average person it is, but for the people that I'm working with, it's not, not necessarily. But like, I just don't like the idea of deferral and postponement because I do not see a world where that, that's a good idea. And I feel like you're gambling and you're creating unnecessary risk with the government, not necessarily the investment. So when you talk about S, um, SEP IRAs, 401ks, traditional IRAs, like that's my caution is understand like who you're getting in business with and understand the other risk other than just loss of money in the market. When it comes, so, so with the SEP, I would much rather put my money in something like a life insurance contract where it was high cash value that grew tax-free that I controlled and then invested in real estate versus doing it through a SEP. Now, the reason the SEP is, is good is if you already have that money put into an IRA, if you already have that money put in a 401k, two questions, maybe, and I'm not telling, I'm not giving any advice on this, but like maybe you shouldn't continue to put money in there. But if you already have money and you don't want to pay the taxes now, you could transfer that into something like a SEP and then be more in control. I'm, I'm a fan of that route. Although some people are doing the math and currently 
um, there could potentially be some incentives, not incentives, but some grace in cashing out your money. So don't take my advice for it. Talk to your guy, talk yep. to your CPA. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's perfect. That's and that's exactly what I just did. You can get a lot of people don't know this up to a hundred thousand dollars right now uh, that you can pull out of your uh, your retirement account because of COVID. We've already done that, um, and, but the the rest we're going to roll into a self directed IRA and then buy some multi units uh, real estate. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that that I'm glad that I'm getting. It sounds like because <laughs> I already have that money there that that's the way to go. Um, you know, in terms of of putting that money to 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 work. You know, without right. yeah. Cool. Yeah, I just, I just tax deferral or postponements most scary thing, especially during this time, because yep. if you look at history, there was a time in, in the United States that we paid 92 cents top tax rate. And it's like, yeah. we, we think that's not a thing. I'm telling you, um, yeah. it will yeah, just happen. Just look at Europe. Just look at Europe. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. It, so, yeah, no, yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. And that's kind of why I mentioned it because, you know, when I was starting out, everybody, everybody and their mother said, oh, you got to put money in your retirement account, you know? And, and so that's why I brought it up because I really want people, once again, anybody listening in their twenties who can, you know, start on this early, you know, really take a look at, uh, putting that money to work for yourself rather than, you know, deferring it and, and all that. So I completely agree. And, and that's awesome insight. Thanks, Caleb. Um, in, in kind of on that note, you know, why do you think consistency is more important than rate of return? And, uh, can, you know, tell us a little bit about controlled compounding. I know you talked about it a little bit more, but why is that so important? Controlled compounding consistency is a function of long-term and short-term. And I believe if you, like, we are taught that you have to choose between one or the other, but if you can maximize the use of both, which I talk a lot about in my book, it's essentially understanding that a dollar today is worth the lifetime value of a dollar but still saying that that dollar could through control multiply and you're 10xing what you could get on compounding. And if you can have both, that can be an amazing thing. And so what I find is if people are consistent every day, that's, that can be far greater than, you know, just, you know, swinging for the fences and, 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 you know, maybe hitting a home run once in a while, but ultimately striking out a lot. And it's just like, that's just an example. I see that over and over. Like people are taking just, um, unnecessary risk and going all over trying to hit that home run. And, and then when they, when they like look at what they're actually doing, they're not any farther ahead than, than, where, than where they were. It's very much like on a treadmill. Um, and I just find that if you can have the consistency mindset, you'll, you'll just, you'll be ahead. The title for your next book, which is going to be money making babies. All right. You can, you can use <laughs> it. I'll, I'll let you use that. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll, I'll hit you up. If, uh, that's the next book. <laughs> uh, um, so, uh, you know, you talked about a, a little bit about this before, and I think this is, you know, another thing that, you know, I wish I would have done early on, which is more personal development, right. Um, you know, getting in the right mindset in terms of, you know, if you're, if you're not right in the head in terms of, you know, happiness goals, um, you know, way of, of, of looking at the world, it's going to be really hard to make any money because you're just, you're not going to be in the right mindset. So, um, you know, how do you think people can use their money in a way that lets them be happy and, you know, for today and for tomorrow without being so fearful of, of, you know, either losing the money or doing something wrong. Um, you know, I'd love to hear your, your thoughts on that. Yeah, that, that's a great question. And at, and at the end of the day, it's understanding what you want and then, and then ultimately putting your money into something like that. So let me just go back to the 401k retirement plan. Another reason I'm not a huge fan of that is look at control. Like it's, it, okay, let's talk about compounding. I think, it, I think the market can be good at compounding your money over time. But then the question is, what tax is going to be in the future? 
And how much money can I actually pull out of my retirement account without running out of money? So that's, that's number one. So compounding is sketchy. Number two, control is like non-existent. So the same thing goes back to everything that I, that I would say. And what I find is like, there's a parable that's essentially goes like this, like you're living your dream life. And then someone comes around like me and they're like, oh, you could be more efficient. You could make more money. You could do all this stuff. It's like, okay, why? If you become a millionaire, you'll be able to live. And they just explain what you're already doing. So I would just be very careful to take everything I say with a grain of salt. Don't just really make sure it's like, what, what do you actually want out of life and design your life that way? And you'd be shocked. Some people already are living their dream and they just need to maintain and they're self-aware about that. Um, and then a lot of, some people like are not happy and, and then they need to see like, what, what will that actually look like? And let, let me be very clear. Health is important, incredibly important. And so don't, don't devalue your health in, in building a business and, and all this stuff because um, life, life, one life and we, we want to do it well. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a, a lot of great advice there. All right, guys, it comes back to one of, one of my, uh, I, love, I love this question. We, we, we've kind of already thrown some out there, but I, I'd love to get a, a few more. Caleb, we always like to ask our guests, you know, what kind of, you know, because we really encourage our guests and, you know, everybody out there, you know, I always say, ABL, right? Always be learning in terms of, you know, you should be listening to podcasts, you know, reading, you know, whether it's self-improvement, financial, you know, always improving yourself, always making your, yourself better. And I think with age that, you know, you, you should be doing it even more because you kind of learn, you lose that, you know, curiosity and stuff as you're getting older. So um, anything that you're super into right now in terms of books, podcasts, um, uh, you know, any, anything like that, that you want to pass on that people can really, uh, you know, get their, get their minds around. I am an avid audible listener and the book that I just finished reading was called smart cuts. And I was really, have you read that book? I have not, but I so will add good. it. See, whatever we have guests, see, I'm a huge audible person too. Like I don't drive my, you know, I don't take a drive in my car without putting it on. My kids have listened to rich dad, poor dad, probably twice. And <laughs> my son yeah. loves it by the way. So we have but, a, we have a book club. And so smart cuts is a, a great, great book. Um, the, the other book that I just finished was called the last lecture. And it was just a good reminder, uh, just, just to remember that like life is short. Um, and then some of the, some of the classics, I mean, I would highly recommend rich dad, poor dad. I would read think and grow rich because I think money has a lot to do with the mindset. Um, and, um, I would say start with why has been another one, but so I, I, I'm a fan of podcasts. Um, if you, if you want to learn more about money, you can check out my podcast, Better Wealth. And I actually publish a, sh a show every day. Um, so um, we are active there. And then, um, and, and yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of, of learning. Awesome. And let people know, you know where they can find you, uh, where they can reach out to you. So you can go to betterwealth.com. That's our, that's our website, betterwealth.com. And you can check out our assessment. You can get, you can get my book. Um, you can, you know, check out more of what, what we're teaching. And then obviously we like to keep the brand alive. So better wealth podcast you can check that out. Um, and then you, yeah, so that, that would be the best way to reach out and, and find us. Awesome. And, uh, Kevin has a question. Kevin, go ahead. Hey, Caleb, how's it going? It's going amazing, man. How's it going for you? Awesome. Hey, so we were talking a lot about, um, long-term investments, your long-term guy, 401ks, all the other typical stuff that we discuss in this environment. So one of the things that, you know, we touched on 
that I think is so has been downplayed in this discussion is how the U.S. economy is just printing money. Yep. You said like it's you know out of style, and I've been trying to figure out you know for the last recession it was it was this entire big bulging wound, which was we're loaning you know, a million dollar house to our housekeeper, right? That was an obvious problem. And it's like, well, how did we not see that? Well, we did. We just, everybody looked the other way. So it's like, well, what is, you know, it's been about 10 years, over 10 years. So what is the big bulging wound this time? Could it be the inflation that we're about to experience? And so with that, you know, I'm typically not one of these guys, but over the last few months, I've actually started looking at crypto as a hedge, everybody's looking at gold, right? Yeah. And it's like, wow, it, could it be that the US dollar may not be the world reserve currency anymore if they destroy it? And so I'm yeah. curious, you know, I know you're from a, you know, from a big t- financial background, the big banks, but if you actually look at like Visa, if you look at the banks, they're looking at open, putting crypto on the, on the stock exchange, Visa is now backing crypto. And it was previously like these, you know, sort of dudes, it's like, I'll brush them off. But now it's like, well, you can't ignore it. You can't like be like, oh, that guy's an idiot for 10 grand. So what's your opinion on that, man? Yeah, my opinion is I haven't done a ton of research, but I'm not going to like, dude, I'm a, I'm an outside of the box thinker. I, I 100% would look into that. Um, I, when, when COVID was really a thing, you, if you look at people that are in forbearance in mortgages, at one point, it was almost 10%. Yep. You look at people are behind on certain things. So it's like, don't look at the market and, and like the market lies. Like the fact that the market's on an all-time high and housing prices have continued to go up in the, yeah. what we're living through right now does yeah. not make sense. Like, well, please tell are, me I'm not the only one. People are bored and they're just playing on, uh, what is it, Robinhood trader on their phone right. because with their unemployment money. Well, and, and really it's, where do you think the $3 trillion went? It's like, it, it's, there, there's, there's, there, the government printing money is for sure a huge problem. And so, yeah, it's same thing with crypto, with gold. It's like, yes, those things, those things could definitely be a hedge. Um, and I find that it's easy to sell the, the thing, the crypto, the gold. And we, we also need to take responsibility on like, okay, what, what, what can I do? What value creation? So like, there's this thing called gardens and being able to grow your own food. And like, I have a funny feeling guns might come in handy if everything hits the fan. So it's like, yes, I, I think crypto is, is very much a thing. What's funny is the guy that runs my operations would have been a billionaire. It's a whole nother story, but he sold all of, over 90,000 crypto coins at eight cents back in the day. That is nuts. And yeah. so he's a whole, I mean, that's, yeah, so he when he sees that when crypto is at like an all time high, he just was like, we did the calculation. And we we're like, well, I guess uh, that's a bummer, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Kevin, I want to kick myself because I was one of those geeks where it was when it was super new. I had all the 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 miners, you know, in my in my little computer room humming away, and uh, yeah, and I sold it off, you know, when it was like a thousand or two thousand bucks or whatever. And now I'm like, damn it, man. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. you know, no one it, knows. Like, it's all so, hindsight, right? It's all hindsight. Yeah. You got to look at trends and it is a problem. Like I politically have a problem with us just printing money. And I, I just think there's super negative consequences and nobody wants to take responsibility. So yeah. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't think it's going to be good though. It's tough though, because I mean, I've read a lot of articles on it. It's, 
it's the thing that's been on my mind recently. It seems like that big open wound, but like yep. some people think that we just, we could just print money till eternity and we're all good. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> we'll see how that works out for us. I don't, yeah. so I, you know, I was going to show, I don't have the ability to share my screen, but go look up the U S debt clock. Yeah. And it just, yeah. just look at that for two minutes and you'll become an avid drinker. Um, <laughs> and, and, but look at, there's something we all like to look at the trillions of dollars in debt, like 26 trillion but actually look at the unfunded liabilities. What we actually owe is over 80 trillion, 80 trillion. We can't comprehend what 1 trillion is. Yeah. Our, our obligations as a country is at $80 trillion. Help me understand how we're going to pay that. Exactly. So now everyone's depressed. So, I apologize. so again, why do we want to have our money in something which you know is just being devalued? Here, but here's what I'll say. Amazon will be fine. Here's why. Is, value. Is, they're providing value. So yeah. if things go up and in, 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 it might screw up our economy, but guess what? Instead of buying soap at $5, it's going to be 50. Yep. Absolutely. So that's, that's just kind yeah. of like, it's one of those things where it's like the, these kind of things are out of our control, but how we show up and how we design our life are in control. Yeah. And I yeah. just would be like, I think putting some money in gold, putting some money in crypto, like there's nothing wrong with that. Just like there's no magic bullet. Um, and so yeah. that's my two cents. All right, guys, on, on that note, I want to I want to thank you guys for uh, listening to the podcast. Make sure you rate, review, subscribe, go check out Caleb. And uh, we're going to continue on. The recording stops, but as usual, we're going to continue on with our extra innings. So if you guys want to get in on this, we don't record this part. So make sure that you guys come to the to the live session every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time, sellaroundtable.com forward slash live. And we will see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Join us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for live Q&A and bonus content after the recording at sellerroundtable.com. Sponsored by the ultimate software tool for Amazon sales and growth, sellerseo.com and amazingathome.com.